So I guess we can stay dirt bags Amen. or pottery. When you think about it, some of the same stuff. From the dust of the earth come some of the most brilliant minds that man has ever known. And yet, many of them turn out to be infidels, agnostics, not even sure there is a God. From where? Dust of the earth. Also from the dust of the earth comes people of God that love him more than life itself. And with and through them, the Lord has turned the world upside down. So what is it? Is it because this pile of dirt is better, more holy, more sanctified than the other? No. It's because of his election. And he put something there to take up the residence in that body of clay. Well, I'd like to give my dirt bag into his hands, wouldn't you? If he can make it a vessel that can be used to help others. That should be our greatest accomplishment in life, I feel. Aren't you glad to be here today in the house of the Lord? What a privilege it is for us to be, be gathered together. As Brother Louis already said, it's, um, it's such an honor for us. I wonder how many has a, a need, a desire, request on your heart before we go before the Lord in prayer. <clears throat> Let's just bow our heads if you would. Heavenly Father, we are so blessed to be here today. We thank you for your grace and mercy to us. Who were we, Lord Jesus, that you would reach down your great hand and give to us something of such value? Yet, the whole lump of humanity is laying there before you, before the world began. You will fit some to be beautiful vessels of honor. There will be some that will take to shape vessels of dishonor. And yet we know even if we're not elect, we have the choice with free moral agency. We don't have to go this wicked way. We can choose life. Your prophet said that if we want life, we want to live, you are required to make a way for us. Your love is so great that if you would have spoken only those names out of the Lamb's book of life into existence, many of the people, the creatures of time would have never lived. But yet your love spilled beyond the Lamb's book over into the book of life. And there will be so many that will stand there that day, dear God, that were not elect, they were not bride, but they accepted by the best that they knew how what they understood, and they will be there by the millions of them. And we're so thankful that you're that kind of a father. Lord God, we bring our needs before you today. I hold in my hand these handkerchiefs, Father, that I'm gonna preach with. Lord Jesus, you know the names that are on these pieces of paper. I don't necessarily need to mention them. But Father, we're believing right now for this sister that's having needs in our body, Lord God, may your healing virtue touch her. Father, for this younger sister, Lord Jesus, of our assembly, dear God, that Satan attacking her, taking her sleep from her for several nights, you coward. I adjure you in the name of Jesus. You have no power over God's people. 
in the name of Jesus Christ, take your hand off of this young sister. You're a liar, Satan. Greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. Turn her loose in the name of Jesus. Father, help us as we journey today and take a little trip. May we be benefited by our gathering together in the name of the Lord Jesus. And the saints said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. What a, what a loving Savior. I always so appreciate his kindness and his mercy to us. Let us read, if you would, in the book of Hebrews, again today, Hebrews chapter 1, verses 1 to 3. God, who in sundry times and divers manners spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory, oh, I love this, the express image, listen what he is now, the brightness of his glory, and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. May the Lord bless his words. You may be seated. Harry, step back in my office. I can get that extra iPad. Now in the old days, circuit rider preachers would carry pistols and rifles and whatever, you know, to help them. And um, Out in the western days, them gunslingers and gunfighters, they'd pack 244s or whatever. I packed two iPads. <laughs> Wherever I go around the world, you ought to see them airport security people as they look at my briefcase and they see down inside of there two iPads. And I've had them to ask me before, are you a businessman? I said, I sure am. I'm in the greatest business that there is. That is the business of the king. <laughs> Because of that, Satan likes to attack that business. And these things here are electronics and they're made by man. And so we know how they can be. So everywhere I go, preachers laugh at me everywhere. I bet you all the preachers ain't laughing this morning. You can now see why I packed two. Now, you know, there's something about man whenever he goes to making something and it works so good. And when you get it figured out just about right, then you get this thing. We've got a new update for you. And needless to say, many of them updates cause all kinds of errors and this and that and the other. But don't worry, if you got two, you're ready to go. So guess what, devil? You ain't gonna mess us up this morning. And just in case you're wondering, I've got this same thing on my, on my iPhone as well. So I pack three. <laughs> and my eyes are still good enough, thank the Lord, that I could read from it if need be. You know, the potter... He's quite an awesome father. We have before us today, and we're so grateful that we could be identified with him in this part of the lump. 
we know that our God had such a wonderful plan in his mind. It was something that was so astounding. He actually began to make part of it real before he made angels. Remember, there would be one angel that would be there that would be watching, watching and listening to things that would benefit him later. So our father did many things, actually before the foundation of the world, and did things that was even before angels were created. Writing the book was one of them. And he had this desire, something that he wanted. Let me read this to you from the latest in uh, church age. Herein is now set forth the love of God. He desired in love a family of his own, a family of sons, sons like himself. Therefore, notice there, before him lies all of mankind as one lump of clay. Out of that same lump, he will now make vessels unto honor and unto dishonor. The choosing will be his own choosing. Then those chosen ones born of his spirit will be trained. I want you to notice now, even after you're born, you've still got to be trained. Now, this is the part, of course, that sometimes becomes very difficult, and it's part that we don't really like. I was thinking about it yesterday that, you know, it, it's always been since God instituted men in the economy of God to help lead his people, guide them, that people are selective in the ones that they like and don't like and the ones that they choose. And I was thinking when Brother Branham was here that he had to spend so much of his time in trying to prove that God still had prophets. But it's amazing now that here we are message people supposedly return back to the face of the apostolic fathers. And yet many of the ministry now have to continually prove by the scripture and by the message that God still has pastors and apostles and teachers and evangelists. You see, people haven't really changed that much, but what they've done is selected the part of the ministry that they want. Now, I know some of you may not be aware of this next aspect of it, but what's also amazing is that you find in the ranks of the message of those who believe in church and believe in a ministry that many of them, their hardest time with a certain aspect of the ministry is not the prophet. And it's actually not an evangelist or a traveling preacher or a teacher. Their hardest time is with a pastor. Now, they, many of them that the pastor dies or whatever happens, and there's several, I'm not sure if you're aware of it or not, around the world that have no pastor, yet they continue to meet and assemble and have visiting ministers that'll come in. But some of them, in reality, their problem 
is not with an evangelist. That's their preacher of choice. Because the evangelists will come in and preach things of faith and encouragement, tell them how much God loves them, how much God cares for them, so on and so on and so on, but never really get down to the pastoral aspect to deal with sin in their lives and to deal with a lot of issues that a pastor is called to deal with. So what do they do? Instead of really getting another pastor, they just continue to get evangelists to travel through all the time, and then it leaves businessmen in charge of the church. So then they can kind of run the church the way they want the church to run. But you see, the same God who sent prophets and evangelists sent shepherds. Is that right? And even though the shepherd may not be the most beloved in the message, and if you only understood the scope of the ministry, you'd realize that right now, the main aspect of those who do believe in the fivefold ministry, the shepherd is the one that's the most disliked, the one that's the most disrespected when it would come to that part. But it doesn't change anything because God still has it. And it's the goats that dislike it anyway. It's not the sheep, because the sheep know they need a shepherd. Now, they not only need an evangelist to be able to come in. Now, how we thank God for special meetings, and I understand they've had some wonderful meetings up at Brother Sean's, and part of our people today are up at Brother Sean's because of the meetings that are there. And I hope and pray they, everyone, gets so blessed, and they're just, oh my, they're just healed and delivered and set free and all of that. But we know in special meetings, they are exactly what we call them. They are special meetings. And people can get touched and blessed, but yet it will not be special meetings that will ride the bride to a body change. It will be sitting under the tutoring of the Holy Ghost under a God called shepherd that will help them deal with things when things aren't so special. Now, no doubt every one of us have special places that we like to go eat. And, you know, you've got your certain special food. And some of you, it might be, a, you know, a Chinese place. For some of you, it might be the chop house. Or it might be some special place. Now, if your special place is McDonald's, see me after church. I will buy your lunch today. And it won't be at McDonald's. But maybe for some of you, that might be special. Well, to me, it's not. Uh, you know, but uh, for me, I remember as a boy growing up, and I don't remember if Harry remembers this or not. I don't know if he does. But, but to me, one of the, my most special meals that Mama would make, and it's still one of my favorites to this very day, now, we were poor, as many of you were, so we ate a lot of beans, brown beans, white beans, blue beans, whatever color mama could buy, that's what we ate. Now, I say I'm not the only one here, and mama, mama was not a French culinary artist. Mama never knew anything about French pastries or anything like that. She was just a good old down-home country cooking woman, and that's what I was raised on, beans and taters and and maters and that sort of thing. And I'm, to be honest, I still like that today. 
But yet, there was a certain meal that mama would fix, and it was always on Sunday, and we didn't get to have it very often because we were poor, and daddy worked a little bit above probably minimum wage his whole life, but it was this certain meal. And I'll tell you, I can still have memories about it, and Carol will still fix it for me. And it was roast beef, and potatoes, and gravy, and carrots, y'all know what I'm talking about, pot roast, if that's what you wish to call it, and mama would get some Granny Smith's apples or some of a, a tart flavor, you sisters know what I mean, and she'd cut them up in slices and she'd fry them, and then she'd make these rolls that she would make. I'd give $100 for one of them right now. Well, maybe not while I'm preaching after church. My, what I'd give to be able to sit down at my mama's table and be able to eat that meal again. That meal was so special. Now, had we had that every week, you know what would have happened? The special part of that meal would have disappeared. Now, for people who love to live on special meetings, it's almost like a high that they, when they come back to church, uh, the potter's wheel. You know, it's where they get molded and where they have sin dealt with a lot of times in their life and my goodness, they can't wait for another youth meeting. They can't wait for another special meeting and they're missing so much. And I realize there's an element of people that don't even go to special meetings and I'll say, "You're you're missing a special time because it's a special meeting. But God knows exactly how to frame each one of us. Now, I want you to notice how Brother Brenham says that, that born of his spirit, they will be trained to conform to his image in their walk. So here that training involves many aspects of ministry. It will be an evangelist, it will be a teacher, it will be listening to the prophet himself on the tapes. It will be so many aspects that God will use to train us and transform us into the image he wants us to be. He reproves with all long suffering and gentleness and mercy. He chastens with nail-scarred hands. Sometimes the potter must take the vessel he's working on and thoroughly break it down in order that he may rebuild it exactly as he desires it. But it is love. That is his love, another way of his love there is not, there cannot be. Now, let me read to you from the Ephesian church age. The seven golden candlesticks in Exodus 25, 31. And thou shalt make a candlestick of of pure gold, of beaten work. Now, it's amazing how these words are so perfectly written in the scripture. And one word can contain so much of what God wants to convey. So the candlestick, the menorah as we know it, in the Old Testament is going to be made not of silver. Silver speaks of redemption. Brass speaks of judgment. But gold speaks of deity. Now the metals in the Bible, the metallurgical types, have a great symbol. So the color and the strengths and what they are used for conveys a hidden message. 
So here God said, and I want you, Moses, I want you to take, and I want you to make the candlestick with its seven branched arms as they come up. I want you to make it out of gold. But they had several ways of doing this gold. Now, it would come out of the ground, of course, and they would put it in a smelter, and they would heat it up at a certain temperature, and then they would make it to where it could be poured in a liquid form. Now, God could have told them that I want you to take wax, and I want someone, an artisan among you, to take and make a wooden gold candlestick, and then I want you to take wax and make a form around that candlestick, cut the wax form in half, lay it open on the ground, and then take the gold when it reaches the temperature and pour the gold inside the mold and it will make a beautiful menorah of gold. But instead, God said, I want this menorah made out of beaten gold. Now I want the artisans to take the gold and they will take thin gold plates and they will begin to bend and beat and bend and beat and it will take the shape and the contour in the artisan's hands. Notice he says his shaft and his branches, his bowls, his knobs and his flowers shall be of the same. The true church of Jesus Christ the bride is likened to pure gold. Her righteousness is his righteousness. Her attributes are his own glorious attributes. Her identity is found in him. What he is, she is to reflect. What he has, she is to manifest. There is no fault in her. We sure need help with that, don't we? There is no fault in her. She is all glorious within and without. From the beginning to ending, she is the work of her Lord, and all his works are perfect. Listen to this. It's astounding. This is astounding. In her, in fact, is summed up and manifested the eternal wisdom and purpose of God. In her is summed up and manifest the eternal purpose and the wisdom of God in the bride? You mean the universe and all the planets and stars and all of that out there, that, that's not the summation of all God's greatness? It's not. In fact, they cannot even hold a light to the work that God is doing on the earth today and has been doing for these thousands of years. How can one fathom it? How can one understand it? Though we cannot do that, we accept it by faith. And the church said, for God hath spoken it. But not only is the candlestick of gold, it is of beaten gold. Handcrafted of beaten gold according to her blueprints which were spirit given outside of her Lord and Master. Thank God. 
Jesus Christ was ever a people so beaten and purged as the bride of Jesus Christ. Don't you see, friend, this is another one of the great dividing points that separates the bride from the church. The church can't even take a little bit of whooping about the clothes they gotta wear. They can't even take a little bit of whooping about the women keeping scissors out of their hair and not being painted up like a barn and the men not running around showing their big, fat, ugly knees with a pair of short britches on and their long-haired gorilla legs. They can't even take that, much less to be beat by God himself. They can't even be whooped around by a pastor trying to tell them the truth, much less Almighty God. Oh, but the bride, there's never a people like her. She will be cast out by the world, hated by the world, despised by the world, even by her own family. But that ain't nothing compared to being met by God himself. That God himself will challenge her to the very spot that if she could be turned away, she would have been long ago. Like Jacob of old, she will wrestle with him through sickness, through pain, through sorrow, even through death. Surely she is filling up the sufferings that Christ has left behind. I know we love to talk and emphasize about the signs and the wonders and the miracles. And I believe in all that. I thank God for every miracle that we have seen. And just to be honest, we have seen them for decades. It ain't like the miracle. A lot of folks are saying, well, the bride's just now having a move. I'm not sure where you've been. We've been in that move for decades. I may not go around talking about it and telling everything like a lot of other brothers do, but we have had miracles after miracles for decades, friends. It ain't something brand new. We've been living in the middle of it, and I thank God for it. Thank God others are waking up to the fact that he truly is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But the Lord Jesus not only left signs, for we know according to Matthew 24, 24, there will be false anointed ones in the last days that will do signs and wonders insomuch they would deceive the elected if it were possible. So that within itself is not the only sign that you're a bride church. Come on now. But the Lord Jesus also left behind all this pain, all this suffering, all this hardship. And of course, who wouldn't rather have miracles than that? Anybody here rather have pain or a miracle? Anybody here rather have a toothache or a tooth healed? Miracle, sign, well of course we would. Well, we'd rather have a ministry. Which would we rather have a ministry? A ministry that preaches pain? A ministry that preaches the truth and the reality of the gospel? For some of you that was down at Brother Tim's meetings last year, I guess it was whenever we had those there, and the Lord gave me the most peculiar sermon, the way to end that service. And my, we had walked in heavenly places and Christ, we'd soared with the eagles. We had done so many things and yet the Lord gave me something to close out that great meeting with going back home. And it was, believe what you want to believe, it was absolutely prophetic. 
It was unbelievable. I battled and battled trying to bring that sermon, battled in my mind, and it seemed as if, oh, you know, myself, I'm thinking, God, is this right? Is this what you want me to do? It wasn't a day. It wasn't even 24-hour period that all kinds of things started happening to people's lives. It was one thing and another and another and another. Me and Brother Tim was laughing and talking about it last week. I said, I guarantee you anybody that's ever heard that sermon, if they're in a meeting where I'm preaching, I get up to read that text, the whole church will vacate. There won't be one person left, including me, probably. I'll probably leave. I'm right behind them. But what is it? God does that. Now, would I rather preach that? No. I would rather preach faith. I would rather preach something in my that would be able to lift everybody's faith, but that was going to bring faith. Then people could look back and say, wait a minute, when all these people broke out with COVID and this and that and the other happened, it was unbelievable. Brother Ron had one of his worst reports after that meeting. And yet at the same time, why did God do it? So when it come, we could have faith that he knew he was mindful of our needs. Oh my, and yet God does it that way. Now, you know, think of this great, great symbol that the Lord God has about her. He says in this, her goods are despoiled. Her life is in jeopardy. She is accounted as sheep for the slaughter. She is killed all the day long. She suffers much, but in it retaliates not. Neither does she cause others to suffer. This is one of the differentiating points, again, between the bride and the church. You see, those who have left the message, they not only prove they were not bride when they walked away from the word, but they love to make people suffer. There are people that are listening to our services, they listen to other preacher services, and they're sending them emails, and they're putting things up on YouTube, and they are doing everything they can to taunt the real true minister. I know you're not aware of a lot of these things, but you see, this again proves they could not be the bride because they do not want to see anybody suffer to be used as an instrument of hell to cause a servant of God to suffer. You could not be the elect of God. Well, I'll get more emails, but that's okay. That's all right. That goes with it, don't it? Notice, neither does she cause others to suffer. Worthy of the gospel is this lovely bride of Christ, and as gold is malleable. Now, notice, gold is malleable, whereas brass will break with the beating. This gold of God will bear her suffering for the Lord, not bowed, not broken, not destroyed but formed as a thing of beauty and a joy forever by the miracles, by the signs, by the trials and testings of life. Jeremiah chapter 18, verse 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house and there will I cause thee to hear my words. Notice the power in this verse two. Arise and go down. So we see an act of condescension. 
Now, Jeremiah was a resident, now anyway, in living in Jerusalem. So Jeremiah is going down. Down where? To the valley of Hinnom. So Jeremiah, notice the words, arise and go down to the potter's house. So he's leaving the heights of Jerusalem to go to a lower place, a place of squalor and smoke and burning smells outside the city walls. You see, the pottery places around Jerusalem were workshops outside the wall itself. Now, where did our Lord suffer? Without the gates. So they would have this place. Now, remember, the pottery was unlike today. For those of you who want to be able to delve into pottery, maybe some of you do, you can go to Amazon or wherever you want, and you can order the type of clay, depending on what vessel that you're going to make. Certain ones will kill at a certain temperature. Others will go higher. Others will higher. And, but it was unlike that. They didn't have Amazon in them days. So they would find a place where the clay was. And there they would build their industrial park, as we'd say in our day, around this field. Remember whenever Judas had sold our Lord and he brought back the money and threw it at the feet of the priests and he said, I betrayed innocent blood. They said, say that to, to yourself. That had nothing to do with us. So he left the money there, and whenever he went away, now they had to have a council. Well, they're going to do this money. This money is the price of blood. We can't put this money back in the treasure. Them hypocrites. You imagine how religious they were and full of the devil. They would not take that money, and they had betrayed and lied on the Lord Jesus, but they wouldn't dare touch that money. But the Bible said they fought, they bought the potter's field, which is right outside the walls of Jerusalem near the potsherd gate. Now, whenever they buy that, they, they don't realize that they are fulfilling prophecy. And the name of this place will be Akeladama. Akeladama. And there they would bury the poor. With what? The purchase price of our Lord Jesus. So Jeremiah goes down, starts this act of condescension. He goes down and he goes among the people. And no doubt this was a common place that was known among the people, the residents of Jerusalem. They would have smelled it from time to time. So he, it's located in the Hinnom Valley, both west and south. So it would have been the way the wall would have went around. It would have been west and south of the south side of the city because there was a gate there called the Potsherd Gate. Now this was actually where the wasters, W-A-S-T-E-R-S, wasters would have been found. The wasters was the pottery 
that the potter would mold and shape and go through the process and then they would put it inside the kill. And inside the kill, depending upon the, how the potter had made it, how thin the walls was, he'd take his hands and go down on the inside and once he got the clay and he would shape it and go up. But it must be a certain thickness in order to withstand the furnace, the temperature that was going to be put on it. Also, the amount of impurities that would be inside the clay would determine its ability to withstand the fire. I hope you're hearing me. So there was all kinds of pieces of pottery that was called waster. So it looked like a good vessel. It looked like a nice vessel, had a nice shape, a nice handle, whatever more. But what the way they would prove it is, they would put it inside the kill with all the rest of these vessels of teacups and whatever more they were. And whenever they would start slowly rising the temperature, then the temperature would start transforming this into a piece of pottery. Ah, oh, but alas, there was many of them that the fire proved what they were. So they would go on the inside after they started raising it up to a certain temperature, they would leave it there for so long and then they would start lowering. Now the Valley of Hinnom, for those of you that are asking about this, the Valley of Hinnom of the Old Testament became what was called in the New Testament, Gehenna, Gehenna. It is a common Greek word that was used for Hades or hell. Now the reason was because here in this valley of Hinnom, in the valley of hell, Gehenna, there was smoke, there was fire, there was smelling, there was squalor everywhere. So this is the way the Jews identified hell. So when Jesus said they would be cast into hell, well, you're a local resident there of that city. Automatically, your mind goes to the valley of Gehenna. There's fire. There's smoke. There's filth. There's squalor. There's all types of things. Now, when God was identified in his great condescended form, so God come down to as, as Jeremiah left the city and started down, down, God could have showed the man a vision if he wanted to. But there's something about visage that affects us all. And here God wanted to make himself known with a world of sons. Amen. So he identifies himself, and in the creation account, he's pictured as forming man from the earth as a potter. Forms his pots from clay. Genesis 2, 7, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. So the Hebrew word there for formed is the same word used for potter the one who forms. So here this part that went out of God, which was Christ, that preexisted before he became Jesus, he knelt down and began to take the dust and mold it, 
the molding of the clay and the cosmic lights and begin to shape a man. Now he's got an image himself in his own mind and he is a spirit being, Christ is, but yet he has hands, feet, eyes, all that sort of thing. So the man takes on in clay the image of Christ in the spirit form. Oh Lord. The word here God created man is Ephar, rain, Hadama. Ephar, rain, Hadama. And it means the native clay of the earth. So the Lord God formed man from the dust of the ground. But notice also in Genesis 2.19, of the ground the Lord God formed every beast of the field and every fowl of the air. So he's the first original potter. Isaiah 41, 25, I have raised up one from the north and he shall come from the rising of the sun. He shall call upon my name and he shall come upon princes as upon mortar and as the potter treadeth the clay. Now here God is speaking of course of Cyrus coming and what great things he's going to do. But God gives a reference in these last few words of this verse as the potter would tread the clay and here the potter would not buy the clay already pre-made. But the potter would go down and that's why he'd have his business right there at the potter's field. So the potter would build his little structure, however primitive that it might have been. So there might have been one here and there and there and there and we'll say like this is the field. This is the potter's field. And they would dig down to 18, 20 feet deep. By the time they would come down and take this, uh, this clay from the earth, it would have approximately 22% moisture inside of it. But it's way too wet yet to do anything with it. So they would move right where the field was. It just saved them leg walking and all that sort of thing. So instead of staying up Jerusalem, way up there, they'd come down here over all these dirt bags and drunks and liars and whoremongers. Like us were. Notice Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, thou art our father. We are the clay and thou art our potter. And we are the work of thy hand. So here Jeremiah is sent now, and notice in verse three, then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. Let's show them what a potter's wheel might have looked something like. Now unlike today, unlike today, which would be electric and this and that, this would have been a more primitive type of version of a potter's wheel. So the potter is gonna straddle this long piece here, the big round piece on the bottom. He's gonna sit there and turn his feet, kicking on both sides. So he can speed it up, slow it down. Whatever vessel that he's making is placed up on this round thing up on the very top. So he will take the clay, maybe he's got something in his mind. Now some of these potters were real artisans and they used color. So if it would have been rich people, they would have come to this artisan and said, look, my daughter's getting married and I want this and this and this for her home. 
Uh, so instead of buying it, you know, the way we do, they would have went there and said, I want this and this. And our family colors, her favorite color is blue or red or whatever more. So this artisan that was really talented and had access to these dyes, he would be able to take and be able to mold and shape this and say if red was her favorite color. He would put red in her teapot. He would put red in the pot she would use to cook. And he would take his finger and make little designs. You know, they'd do different things. And each artisan had his own special trademark of that which he did. He was known by a particular thing. And whenever you look, you think, wow, the, the hours that they must have spent on there. Now today a potter can do it and he really doesn't get that messy. But I saw a video the other day of one that was way back in the east and still the way they do it today, I've seen them, uh, the way that they still do it this way right here. And as I looked at this old man as he was sitting there and he had something sort of like this, and the man started from a lump of clay. And he takes his clay in his hands and he's got a jar of water. And he takes his hands and dips it down in the water and then he starts with this piece of clay. He starts kicking the wheel and moving it around and around and around. And then he has something in his mind that he wants to make. And he starts with the, this outside, maybe making a hole. As I watched the man sitting there, and he wasn't very nicely dressed to begin with, but what I noticed, Brother Dow, was as the man began to shape and mold, the more he molded, the more dirty he became. He would take his hands again and go down inside of it and dip it in the water, and each dip in the water and he would put it on the outside or the inside of the vessel and it would throw this residue all over his body. I could not keep from thinking about our Lord taking our lives upon himself. Do you understand what the Lord Jesus is still doing to us today? Not just taking our sins upon the cross, but the years that he's had many of us on the wheel and they're like this. Now here you can see these hands are very, very clean. Why, it's at the beginning stage. But as the potter begins to shape it, now you can't do it dry, you gotta do it this way. Now look at his hands. The Lord Jesus takes you, your burdens, your troubles, your anxiety so upon himself that he becomes identified with you. Don't you understand your need transformed him? Now he started out as we'd say at that second picture that you saw there with the clean hands. Oh my, I know, you know, we're in this day, we don't want to get our hands dirty. Oh my, how many preachers want to be identified that they led this person to the Lord and that one to the Lord and whatever more. But when saints go to getting in trouble, and when saints go to messing up and they get bound with pornography or whatever more, how many preachers want to handle them then? How many preachers want to handle them when they're bringing a reproach on the church? What do we want to do? We want to grab it up and throw it as far as we can do because we don't want no reproach on our little self like you're so holy yourself. 
like you are so righteous. I'm glad the Lord Jesus is willing not to stay like this. That's very beautiful. It's very clean. But I'm glad he's willing to dip his hands down in the anointing of life and be able to take our shortcomings, our mistakes, our sin upon himself. Now this is only showing you, of course, the picture of the hands, but you ought to see the garments that I saw of this old man. Poor guy, didn't hardly have any teeth in his head. You could tell he was a very old man by skin, all dried, and there he was. By the time he got done with this vessel, and I watched him as he made one piece and another and another, and he took this red was the color he was doing it, and he would take this band and go around each one of them. So he... He was covered in the mud. And then he would take the red and he would take his finger, depending on which size he was, he'd use one finger for one size, his thumb for another side. And then by the time he got done, he was all covered in mud, all covered in red, all splattered all over everywhere. And the poor guy gets up and he takes each one of those pieces and he sets it out there for it to be able to acclimate just a little bit in the warm sun before he put it in the kill. And I thought, you have no problem telling what that man's occupation is. And you can tell he has paid a price in order for whoever to have that beautiful pottery because he's still bearing in him. Don't you understand the work of our Lord Jesus on the cross as the Lamb of God? We can never emphasize the importance and the value. If we sung about it every day, if we talked about it every day, if we thank God every day for the price that was paid on the cross, we could never overdo it. But let me just go on to say the work on the cross led to a higher work which was the work as mediator don't you understand why we still need a mediator on the throne of God because he has redeemed us and paid our price that we might be set free but we all still need to be molded and shaped I'm so glad hallelujah that Paul said there is one mediator between God and man and what does he say the man Christ Jesus notice our Lord Jesus what is he in heaven he is not an angel he is not a cherubim he is a glorified human being but the glorification does not take away from his memory of humanity and he can take our sin don't you see why that he would cause a man of God to study and labor and get into the word to bring you something that would help you and encourage you maybe even correct you when you're wrong don't you see what the potter is doing the same thing the Lord Jesus there in heaven doing whatever it is that he's doing but he's so concerned with the needs of his people on the earth that he still gets his hands dirty as it was by taking the anointing sending it down to his men and leading them in the direction say son preach this son preach this this bring this why Lord shut up you don't need to know why just do it just do it I've got a son there that's got a need I've got a daughter that's got a need Jeremiah says in verse 4 and the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter so he made it again another vessel. 
as, as seemed good to the potter to make it. What is clay made out of? I found this was so interesting and I wanted to just bring it with me and let you read it with me. Over time, hundreds of years, rocks on the earth's, earth's surface weather to form fine particles. This weathering is due to climatic conditions and chemicals such as carbonic acid. Silicate bearing rocks eventually break down to form sediments that gather gradually to form clay particles. Some of the clay stays put at the site of formation. Now here's the Lord Jesus. Some of the clay stays put at the site of formation, thus maintaining its purity. So God went down to the potter's house and he made himself a son. This is before the world ever began. A son of his own likeness, the express image of his person. But he wasn't yet a human. But he's going to be. He's now the word, theophany, Christ form. Amen. So when he comes to the earth, he must keep him close to the original site so the clay will be pure. So unlike Adam, unlike me, unlike you, we were blown through the sands of time. We were washed through all the stuff that would come our way. And the farther we got from the original site of the formation, the worse we become. So his own pot, his own vessel, his own son, was kept close to the formation site, which was his own heart. The closer the clay is to its site of formation, the purer it is. The clay is heavy, dense, and is light in color. However, at other times, clay can be transported by water or wind from its original formation site to another area. Yeah, that's the way we were. We were totally unrecognizable as even usable clay. By the time the Lord had us, we had some kind of thing sticking in our fingers and we put it to our mouth and smoked like, like an Indian. Well, praise the Lord. We're shooting stuff up in our veins to help us deal with the problems of life and we'd pop the top on a can or pop the top on a bottle and, and get become so intoxicated. What was it? All these additives because we were blown so far from the original Garden of Eden. We were blown so far away from where God had originally placed us. Some of you wasn't even sure if there was a God. And you wasn't even sure if there's one or two or three. What was it? The additives that was put in your life, embedded in your life, all the shortcomings and the failures. And by the time he found you, you was hardly recognizable. As a result, it picks up debris on the way and ends up in a new sedimentary 
deposit. Church of Christ, First Baptist, Second Methodist, Third Church of God. So there you were. You were right there in the sedimentary deposit, sitting there in a pew. Glory to God, once in grace, always in grace. I can drink, I can smoke, I can do whatever I want to do. Oh, Lord. Notice this. The clay is less refined due to the impurities it accumulates along the way. Clay is thus classified into two categories based on where it forms its deposit. Primary, Christ Jesus, and secondary, me. Primary clay forms a deposit at the site of formation. If you could travel back with me and we'd watch the first clay pot step up out of the earth. The prophet said he stood there lifeless and his toes were like roots of a tree in the ground and he was just standing there like this. The mechanics was there, the bone, the tissue, the sinew, all the cells and all the stuff was there, but he was just standing there. And the Lord God breathed into Adam's nostrils the breath of life, and Adam became a living soul. Then the vessel started moving. Papa? Are you my papa? Where did I come from? Maybe you could look back and say, here. I, I could see from that that, oh, but he could say, oh, but son, there's another part of you that preceded this. This is the jar part. The life part that I breathed in you was part of me before the world began. Amen. Now he started right there in Eden, which is in Egypt. So the prophet tells us, 1965. So there was man's first original field. And the Lord God from there brought the animals, the birds. And here's the height of all the pot creation. A man. That clay took on life. And that clay started worshiping and loving and adoring. Then Papa looked at it and said, you know what? It's not good that the pot be alone. So the father laid him down and opened up the side of the pot and started making another pot of different shape, different demeanor, a different spirit. And the Lord God called their name Adam. Male and female created he them. That's still the way I believe the gender role. Well, praise the Lord. I know our world has gone totally insane. But God married a man and a woman. He didn't marry two women or two men together. I read this week where a woman in London married her cat. Uh Uh-huh. Married her cat. 
I read where a man in Japan had created this character computer-generated woman. Some of y'all may have seen it. It had great big old long uh, pigtails on the side of her head. And uh, it was a computer-generated woman. Some of you brothers might think you'd like to generate your woman sometimes every now and then. Change a little bit about it. But I can assure you, if she could put you in the processor, she might readjust you too. But this man computer generated this woman and, and went before a public official to be able to marry the woman. But oh, alas, something happened as a glitch in the software and now he can't find her no more. My, after marrying her and then she all of a sudden disappeared and her purple hair, well, she had her hair about the color of Brother Larry Hitt's shirt there, kind of a lilac color and there he was standing beside her and he was able to mirror her on a wall. You say, oh, you gotta be kidding me. People are out of their minds. I quoted to you a year or so ago that some guy had married a pizza. Well, well, well. You imagine what a belly ache you'd have with that. People are insane, friends. Don't you see they've gone farther and farther from the original place that God put them. God said the nation that turns down God shall be turned into hell. Our nation is turned into hell. They're insane. That's why they voted in an insane president. So here we are with all these things we picked up, inferiority complexes, fears, anxieties, traumas, this and that and the other. And we wound up way down there so far away from the original thing of what God made us time God picked us up. There was hardly anything about us that was recognizable. But he's able to see your origin. To achieve maximum utility. Pottery clay has to go through, uh-oh, a manufacturing process. First clay soil is obtained from the earth's surface. This is achieved by excavating topsoil and gravel up to 24 meters into the ground. The deeper the excavation pit is, the purer the clay. Keep on digging, friends. On excavation, fresh clay has a moisture content of about 22%. Usually it is clumped together with your drinking buddies and your dope buddies and you know all that kind of clumped together, but can easily be broken down into smaller particles that can be processed into usable, here you go, chunks. Oh, I know some of y'all consider yourself to be a diamond, ooh. Some of you consider yourself to be this, my, my, this precision piece of dirt. Come on, be honest, you're just another chunk like the rest of us. Clay is then stored in a building. Whoa. So then we find the clay and we bring it into a building. How awesome. So we can't just leave it where we found it and say, well, I'm gonna be a Christian and I'm gonna stay at home. According to the prophet of God, you cannot be as good a Christian staying home as you can be in the house of God. 
Oh my, clay is then stored in a building that has no walls so that it can partially air dry. A visual inspection of color and consistency is then carried out in a bid to classify the clay. Bride, foolish virgin, bride, unbelievers, sodomites. However, further analysis. of the chemical content is conducted after a very, every few loads to ensure consistent results. So this is why God chose one prophet messenger in the beginning of the church age. Out from under that prophet messenger goes the ministry of others who say the same thing that he said and God will use that man, Paul, to be the example for every other age. Well, if he started it out with preachers, guess what? He's got to end it up the same way. He started out with a church that was full of the baptism of the Holy Ghost, baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, casting out devils, healing the sick, raising the dead. He's got to close the church out the exact same way he started it. Oh, my. So he's got to check the consistency to ensure consistent results. That makes sense, don't it? In other words, that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This chemical analysis helps to classify clay based on its purposes. Ah, it can serve. Now please don't misunderstand me. I'm grateful for all these denominational preachers. I'm grateful for all these men out here that do not see the message that are sincere and genuine. Because the foolish virgin needs places to go. Now that's not me. That's not you. That's not who I am, but I am glad. Because there will be millions of them that will stand that day and will be judged according to what they know and what they saw. Is that right? Now, only God knows who they all are, but they will be placed. Look at Lot. There's no way you could compare Lot to Abraham. But yet the Bible says righteous Lot. Righteous compared to who? The Sodomites. What a good old-fashioned Baptist is a whole lot more righteous than a pervert. Well, come on now. Some of these good old Southern Baptists and some of these old Baptists that live back here in the hills of Tennessee and the hills of North Carolina still shout around a little bit. They love the Lord. They go to church. They're doing everything they know to do. Oh, they say they don't see the message. They're not supposed to. They will stand right there at the day of judgment. The Lord will say, come on in. Come on in. Oh, my. Hallelujah. And they'll walk right by you. Because God looked at them and sorted them out and said, mine, not mine, mine, not mine, mine, not mine. Pennies, nickels, dimes, quarters. Ah, silver dollars. But instead of just having one category, which is the way we think, we look at silver dollars on all the rest of us going to hell. And I'm glad you need to get saved yourself. My Bible tells me he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. 
According to its chemical analysis, it helps to classify clay based on the purposes it can serve. After that, the clay is transferred into a, oh goodness, revolving tank where clumps of clay are further broken down into much, much bigger pieces because now they're getting greater and they're better and they're better. You got yeast in you. God don't want you full of yeast. You're getting smaller the whole time. Look at this. The whole thing is break you down. Break me down. Not make us bigger. The clay is then, uh-oh, heated in a furnace. I want you to notice this is not a microwave which you have the ability to beep, 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 beep. This is what a lot of us want our walk to be with God, a microwave. So we, we select the heat, popcorn, 30 seconds. Go in and go out. Praise God, I'm done. What if your popcorn, 30 seconds is good? But if your bride, 30 years, 40? The clay is then heated in a furnace or a process called flash drain. Well, I don't know about some of y'all. I've been feeling flash drained lately. <laughs> this heat brings the moisture content to one to two percent. Anybody in here been feeling dry in the last couple of years besides me? You go from 22 to two. And then sometimes you're glad to even have two. Sometimes you're glad to even have point, 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 zero, 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 two. You're just so happy, glory to God, I lost a zero today in church. I've only got 39 in front of my two to go. Maybe next Wednesday I'll lose another, next Sunday I'll lose another, but it's all for a reason to flash drain you. Lord have mercy. The dry clay is then, can anybody say it with me? The dry clay is then ground into fine powder. A meal blends different kinds of clay to create specific products. The different clays are I know y'all think I'm weird, but whenever I found this on Google, Dr. Google can come up some pretty good things. I mean, myself, I saw a sermon in this. I saw me, Harry, I saw you, I saw you, Brother Greg, I saw us, ground, pulverized. The different clays are pulverized into a powder. Next, oh Lord, you mean there's more. A purification process takes place. We're physical. And chemical, I wanted to change that word there since this ain't the word, (laughs) chemical and spiritual, physical and spiritual properties. Uh Impurities are eliminated. At this point, the clay, praise God, is pure, dry, 
What a beautiful description of me. Pure, dry, and pulverized. Wow. You see why we'd rather have miracles? You see why we'd rather walk on water? Raise the dead? This, this hurts, don't it? This hurts. I mean, it hurts y'all. Y'all just said, I tell y'all, I mean, y'all in a bad shape. Somebody get your phone now, dial 911. Pulverized tests are taken to ensure the purity of the clay. These include checking the collar to conform, to confirm rather that it is the correct hue. Once it is confirmed pure, the clay is packaged. All right. That's what I'm waiting for. The new package to arrive. <laughs> Don't you see what we're going through? Don't you see where the bride is around the world? The new body is the new package. Then whenever we're pure, we're packaged and dispatched to the pottery supplier, not pliers, because there's only one. So when we reach that state and the bride is finished around the world, I think of it, this one little small assembly that God is dealing with, multiply that by thousands around the world. Think of all the hundreds of thousands of believers around the world and God is molding and shaping on the Africans and the Asians and the Indians and all of them around the world and God will gather all them clays together one day in the moment of the resurrection and our bodies will be changed when the clay quality reaches that that the Lord God could look at it and say, she's pure. She's ready. Then he made our packages before the foundation of the world. Praise God. Notice Jeremiah 18, 5 and 0. Then the word of the Lord came unto me saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in my hand, O house of Israel. We got some more pictures where I can show these people what they want to wind up being. Oh, the lump is painful. The water, look what a mess you were in. Look what a mess. I'm just so glad he was willing to become a part of this mess to change me. Oh. Look at that beautiful, clean hand. You have to look at it pre-mess. But the potter knows. The potter knows the clay. So it's got so much red oxide. It's got so much of this and that. Oh my. Now can you imagine those of us that know nothing about pottery? And we take the same stuff. We take the lump of clay. We take the wheel. We take the water. It's like a person thinking because they listen to tapes, they're ready to handle the word. Well, I got the tapes, I got the MP3 player, I'll, I'll start a church, I'll put it together. It'd be like me sitting down right there and taking that lump of clay. In about 15 minutes, I'd have had that thing thrown up against the wall and I'd be doing something else. Why, I don't have the ability. I don't have the ability and the vision and the sight 
to make such a thing. So is this you, Brother Mac? Brother Kirk? Sisters? Maybe God's took you and it feels like he's just broken you to pieces. And you were a vessel that was a Christian. You loved the Lord. And you said, what in the world's going on? And he just all of a sudden said, nope, this won't work. And it just starts over again. And you're in this just a big lump. You say, but I was doing this and I was doing that. That's what he had to do with Peter. Peter, when you are converted, strengthen your brothers. So Peter with this beautiful vessel, boy, I'll tell you one thing, man, you wait till I become the bishop of the church. I'll do this and I'll do that and I'll do something else. And the Lord just crumpled him all up, tore him all to pieces. But when he molded him and he stepped out there on the day of Pentecost, he said, men and brethren, praise God. Don't you love him, church? That's a potter. Now, I've played in mud, okay? I played in mud when I was a boy. I still play in mud, mortar, when I'm laying stone. But I ain't that kind of potter. Now, what's he got in his hand? A little tiny piece of a potsherd that was broken. But he takes that, and he knows exactly how to hold it and to make that beautiful pattern. Look at all them little wavy things that he makes up and down. Oh, my. Can we take the pressure? Can we stay on the wheel? But you see, unlike these pieces here you're seeing, you have legs and you have a wheel that pot don't have. And there's so many times we've stepped off of that wheel and said, I'm sick of it. I can't take it no more. And he'll let us go. He'll deal with your heart. You get backslid your heart and indifferent. Then you grab a hold of you. Say, suit yourself. You just delayed your process. Six years, three months, 13 days, 14 hours, and 22 minutes. Now I'm remolding you again. Let's close with this. Or if we tonight could only catch that vision, the very Jehovah that made the heavens and the earth is right in this little vessel of ours. While we're sailing life's solemn main, for the Holy Ghost is Jehovah in spirit form in you, see? God, the Holy Spirit, is God himself in you. So these potters that made these vessels, what do they do? They sell them, they get rid of them, but not this one. This one makes the vessel. He gets inside the vessel himself. And the vessel becomes his tabernacle. Let's stand. Brother Daniel, let's go down here to marriage and divorce. You see where the woman is now? But that's the way the world is populated today through women. That's the reason Jesus had to come through the woman. To bring it back to its original beginning again without sex desire. See, he landed right there at the original forming ground without sex desire. Adam was formed without sex desire. Jesus was formed without sex desire. We'll be reformed without it. 
He's virgin born, but hallelujah, there will come a time where it won't be no more sex, but God shall call his children from the dust of the earth, about like they was in the original, not through any woman, but through the molding of the clay and the cosmic lights and the petroleum. He will create again like he did Adam at the first time. Jesus made this possible by God making himself a man and come into the world so he could die through this woman. Now is testing time by sin. Let's bow our heads. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But then maybe I'll come and sing that song for us again. The potter knows the clay. Oh, you said, Brother Donnie, I, I feel like I'm about to break out. I feel like what I'm under is just, but friend, you don't know yourself. I don't know myself. I look back at my journey of life and I think, there's no way I'd have ever thought I could have ever come through such things and survived. But the potter knew the clay. You may have looked at yourself and think, did I just come through that? Did I just come through that trial? And God helped me to be victorious? How did I do it? The potter knew the clay. Oh, sometimes we need his precious hands to dip in that water as he refreshes us makes us malleable where we can be bent to flow into his will. How many wants to be a vessel of honor today for the purpose of God? He knows you, friends, your strengths, your weaknesses, your inabilities, your complexes, your fears, your inferiorities. He knows all of that. And he loves you in spite of them all. And he's willing, he's willing whenever you're wrong, to take you in his hands. And as your high priest, as the image that we saw in the mud and the mess gets all over him in order to take your place. Remember Brother Branham saying the earth and the sins of the people coming up and hitting the Lord Jesus. And his blood himself was like a bumper. And he said, oh Lord, is that the sins of the world? He said, no, them's yours. Your sins. Hallelujah. Oh, great Potter, as we stand today in your presence, we are humbled that you would be willing to take our lives into your hands. I don't know how close I am to being finished. Lord, Brother Hildebrandt just finished his journey. Weekly, Lord, we're hearing of believers around the world that are finishing their journey and at the same time, babies are being born. So one's being born, another's dying. One's being born, another's dying. One's finishing their journey, another just starting theirs. Lord God, I pray you would help each of us. I pray you'd forgive me, Lord. I cannot repent of their shortcomings, but I can't repent of mine. Forgive me, Lord, when you've molded me and shaped me and allowed me to go through things that I really didn't like. 
and I really didn't think, I'll go ahead and say it, was fair. Forgive me, Lord. Forgive me for complaining or grumbling, Lord, about what I'm called to do. Forgive us, Lord Jesus, if we look at ourselves and compare ourselves to others and we say, well, if I had this and if I could do that, if I was like this person, that person, but yet, Lord God, you're the one that shapes each vessel. These sisters wonder what they could do. They think they never preach. They never, many of them never travel around the world. They never been missionaries. They think, what in the world can I do? And yet the Lord never called the prophet the fifth gospel. He never had his prophet messenger to say that the pastor was the fifth gospel, but had his prophet to say mother was the fifth gospel. So she's not molded to get in the pulpit and raise her voice and quote scriptures and all that. But she's molded and shaped to be in her little home, to be able to guide her children, love her husband, do all these great things. Help us, Lord God. Oh, Jesus, we love you today with all of our hearts. Mold us, Lord. Shape us. Deal with me, Lord, till all the impurities are out on me, Father. Grant it, I pray, Lord God. In the name of Jesus. I know you're going through the fire. It's getting hard to stand the heat, but even harder is the wondering, is God's hand still on me? It's lonely in the flames when you're counting days of pain, but the potter knows the clay, how much pressure it can take, how many times around the wheel, till there's submission to His will, He's planned to be to him. 
if you want to. God bless you, saints. I love you in the Lord. Wherever you are, let the hands of God deal with you, mold you, shape you. Let Him finish the work He started. This is not your work. This ain't even my work. I always say, well, Brother Donnie's church. No, not really. I'm only just here as an under-shepherd with a great shepherd. Let Him mold us. Let Him shape us. God bless you. I love you in the Lord. I give myself away I give myself away So you can use me I give myself away I give myself
Let's sing this little chorus, KG, as you go this morning. Oh, this joy that I have, you know the world didn't give it to me. Oh, this joy that I have, you know the world didn't give it to me. Oh, this joy. to me, oh the Holy Ghost that I have. 